Coffee down. What's up, Kevin Hill? Not much, Dooner. How are you doing today? Joining me in the absence of Chad Prevost. Hey! Yes. Boys and girls, I, he is on, I believe, a uh, a self-quarantine or a staycation I, or I, something. I was going to say, is he on vacation or is, just, is, he, is he hiding out from the coronavirus? <laughs> I, I, think, I think maybe a little bit of both, right? <laughs> Why can't it be both? It should be both. Speaking of coronavirus, not since the beginning of the trade war have I heard supply chain talked about on mainstream news as much as it has now. The last two weeks, it's been all about supply chain. So we have CNBC running uh, over by our desk every day, and that's all they talk about. Yeah. The market is tanking, and it's all about the supply chain. You're like it's a, front and center now. There's more cable TV on here than at my dad's house. You know, I know. He's, he's, I know. he's retired, every, so. Yes. Every watches, station you can imagine. He watches like every single cable news channel. Today's going to be an exciting show. We, I know that we have David Bell in the house from uh, Lean Staffing. He's visiting the office. He will come in live with us on the show. Yes. Uh, Zach Strickland's going to talk about that exciting deal with truckstop.com, sonar data. We've been uh, we've we've known about it. We've wanted to talk about it. We've been waiting to put that news out there. So we're excited to very get excited. That in the I, was, I was playing around with it yesterday once I got loaded in. It's, it's fantastic. And in the meantime, I'm pulling you guys up, too. we got you up on the LinkedIn right here. We've got you right here. We've got big news on why I won't be getting my baby Yoda until May. I was supposed to come in March. So we're starting to see the impacts of they didn't blame the coronavirus. And we'll get to it in a later segment. But they these delays were starting to be I, across a lot of products. Uh, of, of course, because it's going to be made in Asia. And everything that is coming over from Asia is is being delayed right now. He, uh, Nathan Frazier says that he likes the Ben Hogan costume. Is that is that a reference <laughs> I, to you? It, it, I, I probably is. Yes. Okay. It's, it's, it's spring. It's March. Yes. Oh, because you have the pink and the pastel. The, the pink and there was that guy who called in and put the coffee down who was concerned that he wouldn't get his uh, Easter suit in time. It, he was. He was very concerned about that. Yeah, so we're excited, and uh, speaking of Lean Staffing, they're the sponsor this month, so this episode is brought to you by Lean Staffing Solutions. They are the pioneers of le- transportation and logistics nearshoring, struggling to hire, retain, retrain, train all of the entry-level sales employees and level employees and the people you want to bring into your staff. Well, Lean Staffing can save you time and money with the ability to scale your business at a fraction of the cost. It's to, a uh, fantastic service. To learn more, visit leanstaffing.com. Yes. He's gonna when he comes in, he's gonna talk about why Colombia is the new the Silicon Valley of South America is mm-hmm. Colombia. It is. It's, it's a hopping place right now, and uh it's beautiful too. I'm excited. I think it was about three weeks ago we had the gentleman in here who was telling us about how they do some staffing out of Colombia, and we talked about how it was a hotbed, and he was saying that. The biggest thing is like when stuff like Narcos comes out, it impacts the reputation of Colombia. But those things are set in the 1980s. Colombia is a much different place now. It is much different. That was uh, Pablo Escobar, 1980s. It was yeah. a great show too on Netflix. You know, it, you know, it's all in subtitles, so you have to do, you have to pay attention and read a lot. Yeah, great show, beautiful country, and uh, I'm excited to, to, to talk with David. I like the subtitles because it keeps me from looking at my cell phone so I can actually pay attention. I know, right? That's the the, the hardest part about it. All right, well, we'll do the headlines before we get to him. Yes, let's do the headlines. Wow, this guy, wow. Wow. So we talk about hacking, we talk about data breaches. Cassandra Gaines was on here. She was talking about 
the liability that employees have and how having more data on you can it puts you liable. It puts you at risk. And this right here, big story, which was the former executive. He files for bankruptcy after losing one hundred and seventy nine million dollars in his dispute with Google. This was Anthony Lewandowski. If you've been following this one, he was the former head of Uber's self-driving division. They filed for bankruptcy protection. Federal court on Wednesday, the same day that he was ordered to pay that $179 million settlement to Google, Lewandowski filed for Chapter 11 in Bankruptcy Court in Northern District of California. He lists $50 million to $100 million in assets, so not terrible, right? Not terrible. Not terrible, money. you know? I mean, you probably wouldn't go broke with a $179 million settlement, but most of the, the rest of us probably would. Seems like this, but here's the thing. If you... If you have a fifty to one hundred million in assets, but you owe one hundred to five hundred million in liabilities, maybe not as nice. No, it's not as nice. You're probably underwater. And as uh, his attorney said, that he had no choice but to file for bankruptcy to protect his rights as he pursues the relief he is legally entitled to. And that's from attorney Neil Chatterjee of Goodwin Proctor LLP. And he gave us that statement on Thursday to the freight waves. And it all stems from. The San Francisco County Superior Court Judge Ethan P. Shulman mm. on Wednesday upheld an arbitration panel's massive award and ruling in favor of Google. Wow. Wow. Yes. So- and I remember that case because he left Google and, and Uber uh, hired him away. And yeah, he... They thought I he took his trade secrets, right? Yeah, they, they they did think that. Yes. Yeah, he was forced to step down as pronto a step down as pronto AI CEO after federal prosecutors charged him with thirty three counts of theft and attempted theft stemming from allegations he downloaded fourteen thousand documents from his Google computer to his personal laptop before he left the company. Most of the documents centered around Google's advancements in lidar sensor technology, according to the indictment. Lewandowski he denies the allegations. Roby Miller, he took the reins as Pronto CEI back in uh, Robbie, Roby, Robbie, <laughs> back in August 2019. The three-year arbitration between Google and Lewandowski started before Pronto AI was founded. Alan Dunton, managing director of Shift Communications, he told us on Thursday, the judgment does not impact Pronto's financial health, which remains strong as it continues to make great progress building the industry's best driving safety systems. The company's leadership remains supportive of Anthony as he contends with these personal matters. They are personal matters too, aren't they? By the way, Greg McLean, CEO of Logistics at Chedra, he says the ultimate warrior, he made the Hulkster. Yeah, now that's taking a break from work, LOL. <laughs> He's right too. <laughs> yes, ultimate uh, the warrior. ultimate warrior. Yeah, so when I was a kid, I remember my one of the biggest moments I can remember as a kid was watching WrestleMania 6. In uh, April, WrestleMania always falls right around my birthday. And WrestleMania 6 in 1990 at the Sky Dome in Toronto, Ontario, Canada was the Ultimate Warriors Intercontinental Champion versus Hulk Hogan as champion. They had a 25-minute match, clean ending. What more could you ask for? That must have been a, a perfect perfect match for you. I used to watch a lot of Mid-South Wrestling Oh, okay. before WWE. Like Rock consult. and Roll Express? Rock and Roll Express. Jim Cornette? Definitely. Yes, I, I would go to the Tulsa... Tulsa Convention Center and watch those guys. Hacksaw Jim Dugan. Woo, Ric Flair. Ric oh, Flair, yes. Greg McLean, he has a hot take now, though. He says Uber Freight will come to an end in 2020. Wow. wow. And he says nothing more than an additional tech platform ran by suit and ties that have never been in a truck and couldn't tell you what a jack break is. I tell you what, that's a bold prediction. It's a bold prediction that... Any possibility? You got you cover them quite a bit on Great Quarter, guys. Any probability of Uber... I know they lose a lot of money, but Uber doesn't seem to care just yet. 
Well, they're, they're starting to care, actually. Their, their, their accessorials have come down to actually oh, yeah, market, bucks. yeah, market, low market price. And they're looking at becoming more profitable, more profitable than Uber, the, the actual corporation. You know, what, you know what drivers were saying when they called into Road Dog, though? What? Even with that reduced amount in detention pay, it's still guaranteed from, from Uber. It is still so guaranteed, still, yeah, yes. They don't mind oh, as yeah. much. Oh, the, yeah. The chasing is really what the big time sink is for a lot of them, chasing that money down. Oh, yeah. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's just a headache. Yeah. It's a headache for everyone involved, from the shipper to the broker to the, the, the driver. It's just a headache trying to chase down that at 40 or 50 bucks. A lot of drivers think ELDs are a headache. What's going on with those? Uh, yeah, so the FMCSA is ready to work with in with the industry on rule breaking ELDs from from Canada. I believe the, the question seemed to catch Jim Mullen, acting administrator of the Federal Motor Carrier Safety Administration, or the FMCSA, yeah. a bit off guard down in the down at the uh, TCA summit in Orlando. John Kingston there. John Kingston was Kyle, there. A couple of our yeah, uh, seminar yeah, we had, guys. Yeah, yeah, we had a nice big booth there. Uh, was it true, this is the question, was it true that in Canada a lot of carriers are altering records coming out of their electronic logging devices or ELDs and showing incorrect dry data on driver compliance with that country's hours of service rule? He uh, said it's an issue, right, that's clearly cleared mm -hmm. Mullen's desk. He said that he's aware of some instances of fraud and abuse of ELDs. They said that they're investigating it very diligently. To bring home the fact that he's concerned about the issue, Mullen described a conversation he recently had with a trucking executive. The representative from the trucking company said, told him that the administrator had turned down freight and the unidentified uh, executive knew could not be delivered within the hour of service rule. And lo and behold, somebody else just took it anyway. I, he used the Mullen, right? Used this occasion to, of his speech before TCA to announce that the final rule proposal for a change in hours of service had been sent to the Office of Management and Budget, or the OMB, mm. uh, and it's it's now in review. And the FMCSA will move straight to a final rule. The final rule will have an effective date, and that is our next decision point. So ELDs will play a role in that decision, according to Mullen. The agency has been in discussion with ELD providers on how long it will take to make modifications in their systems to account for rules different from those that are now allowed built in existing software in yeah. the ELDs. Uh, the answers that came back from the manufacturers have ranged from four to 10 months. So it's going to take them four to 10 months to make those software adjustments uh, for new hours of, of service rules. So what should we take away from this story? I, you know, I mean, basically that, you know, as long as there's a system in place, people are going to try to game the system. Yeah. So there's going to be a fraud, whether it's paper logs or ELDs or whatever, uh, whatever system is in place. If there's enough people using it, people are going to hack it. How widespread do you think this is? They're saying in Canada, it's a common thing. I don't know. And, and it was very slim on details of what exactly that meant. So how are they adjusting those? But yeah. I'm sure... Uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I think it might have a difference between the hours of service rules in the U.S. and in Canada and, and some kind of maybe arbitrage. Let's let's I, I ask know. the comment section. We'll inflame them. Do you yeah. suspect your competitors are gaming their ELDs? Because I know, of course, you guys wouldn't be doing it. Of course not. But do you suspect your competition of doing Our it? Our listeners are honest. I, want, I wonder how much. I wonder what the thing is. There was a lot of comments on that story. There was, yes. All right, so here's the other big story is the International Air Transportation Association, that's IATA. It now predicts that the coronavirus, and we're hearing this sweep through 
sweep through all levels of supply chain, all levels of good, all modes of transportation. Airlines getting hit particularly hard. They expect total revenue losses between $63 billion and $113 billion. That's quite a, that's quite a spread. It is, yes. Depending on the, uh, no pun intended, spread of the virus. So that, that's almost double. It is. It's double from what they uh, they anticipated, what, just two weeks ago. That shows just how much uncertainty, though, there is in the market right now, where you, if you're sitting there right now and you go, we could lose anywhere from 63 to $113 billion. you're with the airlines, each one of you representing a fraction of that, what do you have to think? You have to think that the uh, the, the world is coming to an end, really. I mean, basically, the, the flights or, you know, most flights to, to Asia have, have dropped off, right? Yeah. Um, well, here's what's worse. Canceled. The losses are much larger than the $30 billion that was estimated only two weeks ago. And we talk about this all the time because we do so many shows. Each time we come on, we're like, well, something now, a, a wrinkle has come in and it's drastically changed what's going on. The, from the first road dog where Craig and I were like, it seems like it caused two weeks of disruption. It's definitely not going to help the spring uptick. This was right at the beginning, right? Mm-hmm. Right when it happened during Chinese New Year. And progressively, the, the prognosis has just gotten that much more dire. It has. It has. We, we I, Again, we have CNBC playing right there. On our screen, I, I walked in today, and the ten-year Treasury, which is maybe one of the safest, safest financial in- instruments you can buy, the ten-year interest is or the or the yield on that is it was down in the sixties. Wow! So it's like a six tenths of a percent for a ten-year loan to the U.S. government. But and then we have a bankruptcy out of the U.K. right um, for for aviation. So the the warning comes as U.K. regional airline Flybe which received some emergency funding from Virgin, Virgin Atlantic last year, said COVID-19 or coronavirus yeah. was partly to blame for its collapse. It went into bankruptcy, leaving passengers stranded at airports today. Uh, and then airlines around the world have suspended most flights to mainland China and reduced flight se- schedules throughout Asia, Italy, and other destinations, mostly to reduce costs due to the steep fall-off in corporate and leisure travel bookings and some travel restrictions imposed by governments. Yeah. The most lucrative of the airline business is, of course, business travelers. Oh, sure. Who do they can charge whatever they want to almost um, for airlines, corporate travel. But many large companies such as Amazon are restricting business travel. As a result, many industry conferences are being canceled. On Thursday, U.S. Customs and Border Protection announced that its annual trade symposium scheduled for March 10th and 11th in Anaheim, California, has been postponed. We're seeing this on our own shows. People are calling in who are supposed to have meetings here at Freight Alley in Chattanooga who are saying, oh, we can't, you know what, we just don't feel comfortable traveling right now. And be it they're from Seattle or California or these, it always hits these coastal states first and they're the ones we're having guests cancel from. Uh, Yes, and and basically if you go, a lot of companies are now banning non-essential travel. I was talking Mm -hmm. to my sister last night and her company has done that as well. Yeah. So uh, a lot of people are grounded right now, waiting uh, further notice. 007 movie. They're not playing in the theaters this weekend. Uh, That's it, been postponed. Yeah, hitting every, Amazon and Netflix said they're pulling out of South by Southwest. Not worth sending their employees over there. Facebook, Intel, a lot of the bigger companies all going to go first. More exposure, more liability. Each one looks bad if a, if a bunch of employees tend to have an outbreak. So curious. Time. We're going to talk about staffing. You want to bring staffing in out of Columbia? We're going to well, let's ask him about mm-hmm. staffing during a pandemic. Is that it, Probably a good thing, right? It's probably a good a good thing. It's we certainly an intra, a subject of interest. Can we send David Bell in Let, here let's right get David now? David in here. Yeah, we'll have uh, five good minutes. So actually, be ten. We'll do a, we'll yeah. do a double session with them. Come on in here, David Bell. Thank you for joining us, sir. Love the uh, love the orange. Yes, Texas. Very bright. He's the CEO of Lean Tech, joining us from I believe 
Fort Lauderdale, Florida? Or Tampa? Tampa, which way? This is a trick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, this. There you go. Yeah. What's going on, guys? What's up, man? Good, good. Where are you based out of? Is it Tampa or? No, no, no. I'm in West Fort Lauderdale, Parkland, Florida. Very good. Yep. Um, I would shake your hands, but I think we're doing universally around the world. We're uh, yes. doing away with handshakes. They're yeah. completely finished. Nobody will be shaking hands ever again. Even fist bumps know, are right? starting to become yep. questionable. You got to do, do like ghost hands. What's a good yeah. alternative? Just like that. I think the Japanese have it done bow. perfect. Like nice the to bow. meet you. That's always been better. It's, it, it is. And funny in Colombia because like it hasn't hit Colombia yet. There's no cases of it. And so what we did is we have to put out policy. All, obviously our customers are like, what are you doing for policy? So Colombians love to kiss when they meet. They, you know, oh, really wow, yeah. kiss, so we've had to put a no kissing policy. Yeah. <laughs> Stop <laughs> kissing each other. Don't ah. be so affectionate. You know, it's a good. Do you think that we should, uh, and I'm glad we don't do the kissing here in America. <laughs> uh, culturally, I get it. Uh, Italians love to do it too, especially when, uh, yeah, we run in New York to see some mm-hmm. of our relatives up there. But you think they should keep handshakes away? Like, because sometimes mean, it takes a pandemic for us to make improvements. I mean, what's the purpose of it, really? I mean, you want to embrace, but, like, it's everybody's so germaphobic these days, and it's like, I, I don't mind seeing a guy. I mean, I'll, I'll shake somebody's hand, <laughs> yeah. I, whatever it is, but, I mean, that's not going to crush my world if I don't shake everybody's hand. <laughs> so, uh, why are you in Chattanooga? So, we came up here for the uh, CARA 411 uh, Cassandra Gaines, uh, Gaines event. Yeah. Um, you know, we've done a lot with her and uh, with CARA 411, and so we do it with Reliance Partners and Triumph Pay are two of our, we kind of co-sponsor a lot of stuff with them because we're in kind of the same same uh, same network of what we do, and uh, we came up here for that. And then uh, you know, always stop by and see you guys when we come. We love freight waves and what you guys are doing, so always happy to jump in and get a little piece of uh, freight waves. Nice, nice, very good. So, uh, when did you guys start lean staffing? So, lean staffing is about eight years old now. We started in 2012. It really started to take off in 2015. You know, we we kind of made outsourcing like like doable in transportation logistics. And prior to that, like nobody would really consider outsourcing. Maybe some process stuff, but like true like low level entry level people, they, you know, was never considered. And we kind of like m- made it to where it would be considered, you know, most transportation logistics companies, they love opening offices everywhere. So we essentially just made it, Hey, let's open an office in Columbia because you're not able to hire the people here. And then really the, 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 the crunch in the hiring is what put us on the map. If, if people could hire people here all day long for 11 to $14 an hour, we wouldn't be in business and you just can't get the people. It's impossible. Why Columbia? Why has Columbia become the Silicon Valley of South America? Why is it such a hotbed for employment now? Um, the economy's great. Um, Colombians are, you know, they're eager to educate all like 85% of our staff. We got about 1400 employees down there and 85% of them have four year degrees or more. Mm-hmm. Um, they're high on education. Um, and the economy's good. It's stable. You know, it's been stable for a while. And really the why Columbia is, it's because my partner, uh, Robert Cadena, um, he was, uh, from Columbia, he's from Cartagena, Columbia, and he's the one who brought the idea and I saw what he was doing. I'm like, listen, this is, this could be useful for everybody in the industry if, if if, if things remain the same for hiring. And uh, so we launched as a business. And if, you know, if he was from anywhere else, we probably would have done it there too. So mainly why Columbia for us is because of Robert Cadena. And basically, on, on well, let's just take the, the freight broker side. What are the normal positions in, in freight brokers that, that are outsourced? I mean, the easiest ones we do, like we have clients down there that are literally doing everything. Um, but the easiest ones we do are the data entry, tracking, tracing, uh, accounts receivable, maintenance. Anything that could be done in a remote office, wherever you would be, um, is good. And you know, our turnover is minimal. The people love the jobs. We pay probably 30 to 40% above the average wage. We revolutionize the, wor- the workplace down there. 
there to make it more fun, you know, to work, to work mm-hmm. with. And, uh, our employees love us. And, you know, we, you know, it's gotta be, you know, you gotta be able to find the, you know, the right resources. You gotta, you know, you gotta have the right culture and, and the right price. And, you know, we're able to do that and, uh, and add value with our, you know, with our partners. And, and I, fa- I found in, in outsourcing services like yours, that, that you get the talent and, and as you say, you, you pay 30 or 40% above the market rate yep. in Columbia. So you get the cream of the crop. Yep. And they don't leave. And yeah. that's the key is we keep them. For somebody to compete with us, they'd have to kill their bottom line margin to get our mm-hmm. people. And we really just went above and beyond to treat them well. They love the company. If you can, you know, if you if your people love the company and love your brand, like when they leave, it's painful for them. They don't. Mm-hmm. And that's what we're trying to do. And Paige Finch has a question for you. She okay. says, is, uh, but can't robotic process automation reduce the need for as much administrative staff so and kevin and i've talked about this brokerage is is automation because a lot of times your drivers they're afraid an autonomous truck's going to take them over but we kind of over their opinion that uh computers and and automation are going to take away brokerage jobs much sooner how in your position is staffing are you looking at both sides of the equation here I mean, that's a great question, and it kind of segues into what I do, and uh, I'm, I'm the CEO of Lean Tech, and mid-last year, we had a lot of um, lot of inquiries of, like, what's happening in tech and what can we do. We were doing tech within our organization, but, you know, we felt that tech is definitely going to reduce the workforce, and, like, that's you know, for us, our, our workforce is going to, you know, decrease as we automate it. So we opened Lean Tech in June of last year. We're in Medellin, which Medellin is actually considered the Silicon Valley of, of Columbia. And what we've done is we've created like the synergy between Lean Tech and Lean Staffing. So we're ahead of it. We know it's coming. We're, we're, we're building stuff. We're building, you know, I mean, our, everybody's saying RPA now, RPA is everything, but listen, yeah. it's proven half the time RPA doesn't work. It's mm-hmm. not just like everybody has their cell phone. You could talk into your cell phone and it prints your text out, but I don't do it because I got to correct it all the time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of the similar thing. Like RPA is great and it's a buzzword and everybody's out there selling it. Let's, we, we just completed a bot for a client and it's working and it's working great. And, and we're doing that. We're building bots. You know, there's third party softwares out there you can get, but you know, we try to go to people and say, listen, just do it yourself because you're getting captive with these third party solutions and it, it's never ending. It's a pit never ending. And, you know, we can build the bots. We're building portals. We've done great portals. FreightWaves featured our portal we did for Edge. And um, so that's kind of where Lean, Lean Tech came in is to say, listen, if we're going to lose bodies, let's gain tech business. And that's what Has it. RPA been hijacked sort of like how AI has? It became for a sure. marketing term instead of an actual tech term? It's it's marketing. It's pure marketing. I mean, you, you know, listen, if we can if we can automate everything, then what do we need to live for? Like, what's, Yeah, what's, yeah you know, no, right. It's what's the purpose. So you're always going to need somebody. You're going to need the human interaction. And but it, it, automation is definitely going to. It's going to have an effect. And we and we. That's why we jumped into the tech full force. And you know we're providing dedicated developers down there. We have teams. We have uh, eight clients that have their dedicated development teams down there because you know you can't find dev. You can't find developers here mm-hmm. either. So that's a crunch there too. So as we're as we see automation take over some of the roles and we're actually building it to to you know downsize ourselves. We want to be a team on both sides. People far underestimate the amount of data cleansing that has to go into making anything actionable that you collect and run a mailing list pull your mailing list out of like salesforce or wherever you put it and just see how messed up all the names look yep. you know and then you'll or or look at when you lose uh, your your gps when you're driving i mean there's a lot of data and a lot of cleansing that's to go in that it's not like you're going to reti- entirely replace everybody or it's something that's a snap of the fingers that happens Correct. over light there it, obviously there's human care necessary yeah and we want to you know we just want to be a part of the solution that helps the co- the cost reduction and, and body reduction be a part of it because that's going to lead to something else right if we can be with our clients and we can provide their staffing solutions we can provide their tech solutions and we're on every level then there's mm-hmm. going to be a lot of platforms we're going to do business with them on and you know we're you know we just want to do it right and and add value everywhere we can so we're, you know we're pretty much your one-stop solution 
solution for what you need in transportation tech and and nearshoring. You know, we're the we're the inventors of nearshoring and transportation logistics. You got yeah, one more question, and well, he's okay. in the hot seat. Well, it's, how safe is Columbia? No. <laughs> yes, no. Uh, how can we talked about that earlier? How the percent? It's not yep. the 1980s there it anymore. Not. It's changed quite a bit. Yes. But Nathan Fraser says, how can a brokerage that runs a cradle to the grave model benefit? I own my customers, and I am who they call when they need something. The last thing I want is my customers to feel like I'm passing them off. To someone else, so can you white glove it for wow. them? Or Nathan, that's that's a great question because you know this is the two models in the brokers. You got your cradle to grave, and you got your carrier and customer sales. So what I always tell everybody is doing the cradle to grave is you have your people and your resources. So right now, Nathan, you're probably saying let's hire people and get people in here to do it. But if you can get twenty to thirty percent more productive more productivity out of your current people, and you could do that by creating a data entry team. So when you're at when your orders come in, your your killers aren't sitting there typing away, and you know get twenty orders, and they're like, oh man, I got to put these freaking orders in. Let them create a data entry team, create a, a tracking tracing team, you know, a data entry team, you can, you create a team, they put in the order, they call the shipper, you know, do, do you have a dock? Do you have a forklift? Is it, can I get in there and, and ask the questions instead of having your money makers do that and create a team that works hand in hand with your, with your cradle grade brokers here. So they become a resource and lean on. And we have customers that we've sent out testimonials where they actually, during the holidays, they're sending videos down to their team in Columbia saying, listen, guys, you are a big help. You do all this stuff we need to done. You free up our time so we could go make money and be money producers because the cradle-to-grave people, you make money by getting the customer and booking the freight. You don't make money by pounding away on data entry and chasing PODs and doing that stuff. So create a data entry POD retrieval team with that that augments your tracking and start there. And then that's an asset because as they do that, they get better and better. David, you yeah, did it. Oh, you did a great job. I'll, I'll let you put in your point. We uh, This is a fast-paced show, so how do people reach out and learn more? So uh, go to leanstaffing.com, uh, lean-tech, um, T-E-C-H. Some people sell it in tech, but T-E-C-H dot I-O. Um, we're everywhere. We're on LinkedIn. We're on social media. We're, uh, I think that you know we can be found and uh, just reach out to us. We'll get, we'll, you know, we're will get. we always available and happy to happy to talk. And uh, thank you guys for having us. And I uh, love your show, and, and especially the new one, uh, Put the Coffee Down. Coffee. Down, and, yes. Uh, thank, thank you for that. And, and your mug looks good too. There's yeah. spot, this yeah. month's title sponsor. We appreciate yeah, it. Let's go. Know, right? Yeah, anything we can do to support you. Thanks, David. Make sure you sanitize oh, everything. everything. Sanitize everything. Yes, <laughs> I know, right? Get the wipes. Man, he and he Get must be a professional broadcaster because he just segued us perfectly. He did, yes. I got friends only want to talk business. I got expensive because wind is expensive. Yeah. I got expensive because wind is expensive. I've been getting out of work. All right, all right. So this is Put That Coffee Down. That's the freight sales podcast for closers that you and I yes. do every Wednesday, 1 p.m. Eastern time. Then it's on demand. You can listen to it on your favorite podcast player. You can watch it on Freightways TV. But the best way, right, is live. 1 live, 1 p.m. Wednesdays. Join that LinkedIn community. Fill out that Glen Gary list yes. and, and make some friends on there. Yes. And Get your name in the, the drawing for the books that, that yeah. we give out each week. What do we forget to do during the show? Or we just we didn't forget. We just didn't have time. Yeah, we do a survey every single week, and we talk about the survey. And we just completely never got to it this last Wednesday. So that's what we're going to do right now. Yeah. And right before it, right before we even get into it, David brought up a good point. You want your money producers to be on the phone, making sales, talking to customers, and not entering data all the time. Yeah. So it frees them up to expand their book of business, whether it's a split model or cradle to the grave. There's a lot of busy work that 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 freight brokers do that they don't really need to be doing. 
you they know, need to be growing their books of business. Having been in a 3PL and in a 4PL, and the last 4PL, 4PL I was in was data-driven. The What they spent most of their time doing was actually cleaning data. So I think that's sort of... And I remember when I was a broker, mm-hmm. I would do enter, en, entries, and that's the oh, data yeah. I would enter into a system. So I don't think data entry is ever going to be gone. It's just that they're going to make the cleansing process as least human friction as possible, mm-hmm. but it, they're still going to need it. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. So slide one. So yes. put that coffee down. We put out the survey about objections. It's one of the things that people face most often in freight sales, right? It is, yes. Objections, objections, objections. And what was on the first slide? So the first one is the, the most difficult to overcome. And these are, are four of the most common, uh, maybe five of the most common here. You know, we, we aren't adding any new transportation providers or we don't use brokers, only asset-based. 50%, right? 50% yes. so that they uh, that they don't want transportation. So that's someone, every other call that our reps that listen to our show are expecting to hear that answer. Mm-hmm. They're going to get that or no or, or all of these. But 50% are always going to hear that question about not adding any new transportation providers. Before we move on from that, what would be your way to get around the gatekeeper there? To get around, you know, basically, and Michael Caney beat it in my head the other day, is just agree. Yes. Just, just agree. I, I understand, you know, freight, a lot of great freight might be there. a little bit slow out there. Um, you know, you know, basically, you're not adding any more transportation providers. You know, how do you make your, um, how, how do you make your decisions? When? How? And you get into a discovery call. So basically, if you're doing a discovery call every single call, you know, it's it's much easier to overcome objections because you don't have the pressure of closing that deal. If you're always trying to close that deal, uh, you, you mount a lot of pressure onto your shoulders and you make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, I think in that situation, you may want to pivot over to something like, we can understand why you're happy with whomever is currently giving you service. They may be doing a great job, but you might want to get them into a situation where they're questioning if they're doing the best job they could. And that might be an opportunity to sell some benchmarking, ask them how often they benchmark their carriers against the market. And in the back of your head, have some knowledge of what they do. So you can tell them where some carriers or where some service levels have been lagging. Cause then you might be able to discover there's actually a great opportunity during that Mm -hmm. one little discovery point. You might be able to, if you, especially if you know who's pulling their freight and you know a little bit about the market and you know a little bit about cargo density in that area, you might be able to surmise that they're paying a little bit too much money. You might be able to have an in. You might. You definitely, if you know a little bit about their business, too. And that might take one or two phone calls to, to get them talking about their business. But the more you know about their business in the lanes, benchmarking, all of that, then you can come back with a creative solution that will get your foot in the door. The other big one, because a lot of people that listen to the show are with brokerage, they get, the, they get that blowback, right? You're just a 3PL. You don't have any assets with your company. Becoming harder and harder, too, as a lot of carriers are starting to bring brokerage in-house. So, I, I feel for you guys, and I think it's going to be tougher and tougher to operate at when you don't have an asset-based provider because you don't really market. The only thing you have over the market is information and your mm-hmm. book of business and how much density you can build out for the other agents you work for. But in that situation, I think you kind of said it. Agree with them. Say, well, we only work with asset-based carriers, too. Our job in a service yeah. provider to you is to figure out which are the best ones in your area. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, we agree. We, 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 <laughs> we, we do asset-based, too. We just have a larger network. Than you do. I mean, how long does it take you to do your bid bar process? You know, yeah. What's your rejection? You know, tender rejection rates. Uh, you know, there's, so there's there's many many questions that you can ask. Rounding that out, it was we only have customer routed freight, thirty percent. I'm sure you guys hear that quite often. Your rates are too high. We're slow right now, and we keep loads on all the providers we're hearing right now. Yeah, the, when they give you the one about customer routed freight, that can be tough. You don't want to you want to figure out what relationship they do have with the shippers because they got to have some sort of pain point. 
whether that's visibility, it might be freight bill auditing on their own end. There could be something. Just try to figure out your discovery, what it is other than freight. And, and, and figure out who their customers are. Yeah. Right? I mean, because basically they might like it to be customer routed. But who are your customers? You know, uh, why why do they want to want to control the freight movements? And uh, you just go from there. So on slide number two, and you, there's also, if you go on FreightWaves.com, you can find the infographic on all of this. You folks can digest it. But slide number two is on a scale of one to five, how nervous would you rate your skill in handling objections? Let's see, 38% was well, what? How would you rate your skill in, in handling objections? So 38% was uh, above average. Okay. Yes, uh, above average. And then 15% think they're a rock star. And 30, 37%, I can hold my own, which is, I, I would call that average. Yeah. So so most people, you know, put put in the camp that they are either average or a little bit above average. Apparently, yeah. They, yeah, they you know? put themselves, uh, they said that they're... But those are honest answers. I get, are they? I think so. Are they? I think more people are... Sh- only 8% for shit well, get fast, I think. Well, they, they, they inflated a little bit. Yeah. But, but if, if we had 40% rock stars, we'd know that was BS, sure. right? We can't even argue those. Those are group answers. Uh, the third one is... What is your first emotional gut reaction to when you hear an objection? And overwhelmingly, fifty percent was what challenge, which I, I I found I found really good, you know. Yeah. Because basically, you you should want the challenge. You yes. should want the challenge. You, you don't want fear. You don't want anxiety. You don't want you know adrenaline is good, but you know facing that challenge. If you're if you're ready to face a challenge, then you're doing well. And if you're in therapy and a lot of people can't identify, like they, they'll give you a list of this. How do you feel about things? And people have a much harder time putting that to words. But right here, it seems like everyone gets that emotion of being challenged. So if you do have a therapist or a sales coach or something, be sure to bring that up right away. That your initial reaction to 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 someone giving you some blowback or an objection is to, to feel challenged. It doesn't focus you. It doesn't bring you yeah. in. It doesn't make you all of a sudden want to hear and listen for the opportunity. It sure. makes you feel challenged and how you react to feeling challenged is makes all the difference from that point on it, it does so so it, it is abstract challenge are you good at challenge or bad at challenge then the others were focused i mean all were 10 percent, 10 to 5 yeah. percent were focused competitive anxiety adrenaline fear and anxiety i thought you would i thought you would see more of that but a lot of people did put too. that in that challenge anxiety that fight or flight but do, but it still doesn't but matter i like to like fight though. or flight when challenged i, I like but challenge, do they hang though. up do they hang up or do they? they, do they well, I know, right? It's fight or flight. What are the best strategies for handling objections? The uh, the top two are creating unique solutions to objections. Makes sense. Or creating unique solutions and then asking open-ended questions. I thought those were both pretty great answers. And mm-hmm. I would probably put first would be asking the open-ended questions. I would too, right? Because basically, if you don't know where to go, just ask an open-ended question. And also for yourself. You know, like, And you can lead people with open-ended questions. Yeah, don't let, I mean, don't get completely diverted by the question. But if they say, no, I use to, I only use asset based providers. Now you can ask, that's an opportunity to ask them why. They haven't yeah, hung why? up yet. Until they hang up, keep asking questions. Yeah. Yeah. Find out why they, they only use asset based carriers. And, and those four or five objections are, are, are all the same objection, really. Yeah. When, when you really boil it down to, they just don't want to talk right now or they don't want to progress in the conversation. But if you ask them a question, you'll progress. And remember, you're not trying to one-up them. Like, be very cautious about yeah. this when you're on the sales call. Like, if, if you if you do have a great solution, something they're doing you think might be stupid, be careful, though. Like, they may have made the decision to do what they're doing, so just be delicate there. And I think that's why the open-ended questions are great. So you can turn that challenge to some discovery, and then you can reach back out to them and go, hey, you know what? I really thought about the conversation that we mm-hmm. had and some of the problems that you're 
your company's facing. Here's some great solutions. Yeah, you find good information, good yeah. data. Uh, I, I trade on information all the time, so I always like to go find information from a conversation and shoot it over to them. Keep in contact that way. Common trait for handling objections. Uh, we had a bunch on here. We're getting a little short on time, so we'll run through these relatively yeah. quickly because I think the last slide is very important. I want to land on that. Um, but persistence was a big one and asking the best questions, being prepared. The worst was being aggressive. Don't be overly aggressive. Uh, everyone then suddenly thinks of that stereotype yeah. of the salesperson, which most sales good salespeople do not really behave that way. But they don't. They become no, sales what managers. You see, yeah, that's what you see. Yeah. In, <laughs> Some of them do. Some <laughs> no, of them they do, yes. Me. Yes. Uh, but you see that. So this is what you've seen in the best people, best people you've ever been around who handle objections really well and in persistence and they, they ask the best questions. They have the best industry knowledge and that makes perfect sense. Do you train your sales team or does your sales manager train you on how to anticipate objections in advance of meetings? And it was not surprising, but sad that 31% said no. They are giving that they are given that cell phone, they're given that business card, and they're they're not giving that training. And I can yeah. tell you what goes on in those brokers because I've been there. What happens oh, is yeah. they'll have that they'll have that quarterly meeting, mm -hmm. and all the sales manager ever does is pull numbers. All he ever does, yes. that's all he does is pull numbers and says you gotta put the work in. But he never gives you examples of how of problems he's faced or his team has faced and how they've overcome those objections with your service. Because your service is not going to be perfect for everybody. You have to have heard objections. Why aren't we putting that into training? Why aren't we taking those losses into wins? Well, one of the most perplexing comments from the survey that we did was, you know, was a comment, right? And it was said, you know, that, that salespeople shouldn't expect their company to, to provide any training. That's, that's absolutely so not. all up to you to provide your own training in sales, which is, I, I, I don't know. I, I, I certainly would never want to work there. I think that part of your sales manager's job should be to provide that, the guidance and that training, even if that's like, you know what, I've heard you, some of these things, listen to put that coffee down, not to be self-serving, but to give them a book, to give them some training, yes. to put them under your wing. I've been in that situation. I had, I had this sales manager, this guy, and I'm not going to name him, but he goes, are you happy with your job? You just need to put the work in. And like I was putting the work in yeah. my my what hardest problem mean? with my job was knowing enough about my own company mm -hmm. and they didn't give you that training. And it's like they're like knowing too much will just hurt you. <laughs> wow. Confounding. It, it is. It's, it's like having a coach that's not going to instruct the players with what to do. He just says, hey, go out there and play. Yes. And he says, know your market and be creative. He agrees with those ones. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Who is that? Page. Uh, this is a oh, page. Uh, no, this is not Paige. Oh. This is Pelige Meepin Kuibel. Oh, okay. I probably, I'm sorry, I mastered that. Paige Finch, a little okay. easier. She said, what I find interesting is that the floor-loaded freight shippers instantly object to 3PL is a result of the assumption that we don't provide assets. And that can be very true. People with delicate freight, they some and or with a lot of freight, the mm -hmm. BCOs, they, want, they generally do want to have that direct relationship with the carrier over a broker. That's why whenever you're doing, and if you're being trained sales strategy at your 3PL, that's why you need those meetings. What are the objections about size and who do we service the best? And you need, you know, the sales managers need the, the information as well. We did a survey for a, a client not too long ago where we found that out of basically the Fortune 1000 uh, or large shippers of, of, say, over $50 million in, in transportation spend, they, 50% uh, use brokers, right? So one out of two, you know, say they use brokers. So if you're on the phone, we don't use brokers. We don't use brokers. You know, it's, it's just a it's just a normal objection. All right. Well, what do you mean? Pay in mind. 
don't object to this. Go look up, put that coffee down on your favorite podcast player, subscribe to it, or subscribe to Freightcast. You'll get every single podcast that Freightways put out by subscribe. There's no cost. It's just a term used in podcasting. It means look it up on iTunes or Spotify and it's subscribe all means you get notifications. But you can just listen one off. Yes. You can do whatever you want, but it doesn't yeah. cost money. So yeah. I, I had that come up a few times, and yeah. now I'm like, oh, I must educate a little bit. And now we're going to have come Zach on. Strickland come on. We're going to talk strictly business, talking about yes. a pretty amazing business deal that just came online from Freight Waves. Where's Zach? Where's Where Zach? is Zach? So there another is. another episode I don't is Here Psychology of the Cold Call. Yeah, that's delayed out there. It's up to a guy named Harrison to signal you, because he does, he's not hearing about the delay. Harrison's a great guy who knows everything about washing his hands. He uh, demoed a infographic about the proper hand washing for our team down here. We that's we that's appreciate key. It. He lends <laughs> his voice. Is that who put it together? No, he didn't put it together. He just demonstrated for our team. I don't, oh, oh okay. you didn't do individual team training? I know. Oh, all right, well. A lot of offices are. Let's let's get this I, on I guess right now. This is you something I have training? to. I, I, I have to go upstairs and, and teach twenty. You know, you I don't know if I want to be in here with somebody that doesn't know how to <laughs> properly. Why proper, he hasn't? Yeah. You haven't been certified <laughs> yeah. in hand training. Hand training. And hand you're lighting? in this this small of a booth with us. <laughs> no, it's like about twenty seconds, right? People out there, if you are taking us seriously, it is yeah. about twenty <laughs> seconds with the sing happy birthday. Happy they say birthday to yeah. you. I had yes. to do it to my kids. I, I do it in the bathroom. Yeah. A little loudly. <laughs> Uh, okay, because <laughs> we have nice uh, resonance in there, like ambience in the bathroom down here, so you can really open up and go for it. Yeah, no, I mean, yes. John Kingston was here earlier oh. in the week. <laughs> <laughs> uh, he sings in the bathroom? I mean, you could hear it all the way down the hall. It was great. He He's was very oh, really? melodious and everything. Happy birthday. <laughs> that was good stuff. All right. So we signed up. Why are we in a good mood? Because we signed an awesome deal with truckstop.com. Yes. We got their truck right there. But now you can see it there. You can also see it where? In Sonar. Why you? <laughs> <laughs> so what does the deal mean? What are we seeing in Sonar? What's what's going to happen? So we've got a bunch of spot rates uh, from truckstop.com, which I think most people know one of the biggest uh, load board slash spot market uh, places in the in the United States. Oh, definitely. Sure. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's, uh, very flatbed heavy. Uh, mm -hmm. A lot of flatbed activity there, but it also has van and reefer. So now we have the total all-in rate for their top 103 lanes. Whoa, nice. For each mode. <laughs> for each mode, all yeah. in sonar, all in sonar. So, uh, I mean, for those of you out there that are very interested in figuring out, you know, what the rate is from Chicago to Atlanta, uh, Dallas to Atlanta, et cetera, anything to Atlanta. No. <laughs> Does that feed a lot of other indexes within Sonar? Now? No, no, no. This is this is treated kind of independently because okay. a lot of what we have in Sonar right now is contracted freight. Uh, a lot of that underlying vol uh, volume. So we have, you know, our OTRI and OTVI, tender volume, tender rejection indexes. They're based largely on kind of consistent contracted business. Truckstop.com is in the spot market. Uh, there is some contracted data in there. There is some contracted freight, but it is not the exact same freight as what we would have in our traditional indexes. So spot market, uh, very volatile. <laughs> Sorry, our engineer is just like, oh. he's just staring me down up there. He's, just, he's still mad I was like, I was, like I was like, I don't... I don't think I said a joke. <laughs> no, 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 no. No, this is great information about the truck stop stuff, but it's probably making this segment more memorable. Uh, but to, like, for people, for listeners out there who don't know, we used to have, there used to not be, there was just like a case that we would look at yes, the window yeah. over here, and it used to be on the other side, and you couldn't see the engineers of the people watching, but now people can, can gawk at us yeah. and can just make faces at us and stuff right, right through that window. Yeah, so... 
Yeah, I thought spot market rates were just hysterical. <laughs> <laughs> well, not, I mean, it dep- I guess it depends on what end you're on. I know that. Yeah. Like, I heard a dollar twenty inbound to L.A. Right? Yeah, that's cheap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's yeah, not yeah, good. Yeah. yeah. Except for the fact that, you know, we are watching a situation right now unfold in our data that actually says that's changing rapidly. You mean the outbound? Yeah, the outbound volumes. Like, they are very, like, it is. Oh, yes, yes. I mean, for me as an analyst, it's extremely exciting to see volatility. And and, and so. Yeah, you (laughs) know what I mean? Is this positive? It's it's gone up tremendously. Like, it's it's like, it's higher than the peak, June peak last year. And we volumes, uh, right? Yeah, volumes. Yeah, volumes. And tender rejection rates are actually moving really rapidly, high, like much higher. And a lot of this, and it's spread throughout the country, kind of like the coronavirus is doing. Um, (laughs) Well, no. Speaking of the coronavirus, people have to be sitting around going, "Well, what is going on with rates? They're tanking. Volumes are tanking, but they're going up." So break it down for us. What's happening? The last like two, three days, volumes have significantly increased. Tender rejection rates have significantly increased. Um, it's going to, you know, having been in the space, it takes a while for this stuff to actually like feel like it's real. It, it <laughs> does. You know, we've been talking about coronavirus, 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 but on the DHL supply chain pricing power index, mm-hmm. we went up this week Yeah, because of, of what you're just saying. Yeah. And, and this is something that it, it, it's hard to understand because we're all thinking, oh, volumes are dying because China volumes are down, da, 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 da. Actually in America, things after they're, they're much different. We have all this inventory from the trade war, and also everybody knew Chinese New Year was coming, so they pulled all their freight in into the United States, and it's actually just sitting in warehouses right now. So when you're going to Costco and you see the shelf is empty of toilet paper, yeah, you know they're it's because they're <laughs> because Harrison's been there, <laughs> <laughs> but. All that inventory is gone, and now they have to do something. And those, a lot of those warehouses come mm-hmm. from these big cities, these big shipper cities. And Ontario, California is one that we were thinking, oh, it's going to die. Rail volumes tanked. But that is yes. extremely connected to container volumes, which are imports. Yeah. Like immediate impact. So, so what happens when the, 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 the warehouse volumes or inventory volumes drop and, and all the toilet paper out there that yeah. can be sold out <laughs> of warehouses is sold and, and used? Yeah. So the warehouse is empty and then trucking volumes decline, except there is something fascinating about this whole scenario. We've never seen anything quite like this, which is why I'm kind of excited Um, Mm -hmm. and and also terrified. But (laughs) because I don't want to be out of toilet paper. Um, The uh, so if, you know, say something happens in the United States, we start seeing quarantines. We're already seeing schools shut down businesses like Microsoft, Amazon. They're saying stay home. Don't come out here. So there could be a demand side contraction. Except people are getting ready to stay in their houses in their homes. So there's actually a demand side in like mm-hmm. expansion. But everybody thinks, all right, so eventually the inventory will run out and tender rejection rates will come down, which probably may be true, except for the fact all those truckers that are on the road right now are actually going to be in the houses too. Yeah. <laughs> yes, so there's yes. the potential for further supply side contraction. Well, take it if you're running out of toilet paper, take a shower, not a bath. Yeah. But Paige Finch, she says spot market is being contracted. Spot market is beating contractual rates. Can you guys explain why? Well, oh. I think it, I think you just explained why, did, right? right? Yeah, yeah. 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 yeah you, just now. It's, yeah, it's it's because you know we've we've pulled out of the contractionary state that the market's been in. It's been very flat, very you mm-hmm. know tender rejection rates have been stable. All of a sudden, you know everybody that has these contracted rates now, all these truckers again. It's not simply about having four hundred thousand trucks in the United States. They have to be in the right spots. So if you have imbalances in demand throughout the country, those trucks are not and, ready. And if, if volumes are exceeding last year's seasonal highs in June or July, 
And so, so basically, the assets aren't going to be in place where no. they need to be in place because that's an anomaly. And it is all it. over the country. 95 yes. of our 135 markets saw increases in week-over-week volume uh, wow. this week. So it's not that's simply a market driving it. It is everywhere all at once. Nice. So, so where do people go to learn more about this truck stop sonar deal? Go to FreightWaves.com? FreightWaves.com slash sonar. Um, you can get into all our indexes. We'll have a, we have a knowledge center there that'll list everything. The truck stop rates are going to be there now. Again, we now have something that will measure 103 lanes in the spot market. Uh, it gives you quick insight. They're weekly rates. We have weekly volumes, spot market there. The things that we're talking about are our tender stuff, which is a largely contracted. Situation. And you can sign up for a demo to, mm-hmm. to, to see it in action. Uh, yeah, they're they're at the Sonar webpage. Yeah, FreightWaves.com check out Sonar, right? Yeah, and also check out any of our media stuff. You know, we yeah. do FreightWaves now. This week in Sonar, Freightonomics, Freightonomics on podcast the on the spot with me and JP. Yeah. We also talked a about podcast too. Yeah, we talked about this this morning. We mm-hmm. gave a little bit deeper dive. So check it all out. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, nice. Stuff. Thank you very much. Oh wait, what does Catherine say before she leaves us? She said, okay. "I went to the store to buy hand sanitizer to pass out to our drivers this morning." I took the last 20, and they don't know when they're getting more in. What? I took the last of Thanks, Catherine. So I clean the shelves off. They don't know when they're going to get You know what? All right. So if you go to the convenience store and there's no hand sanitizer, it was Catherine Whitehouse who did it with the lead pipe. No. I, I imagine that's going to happen more and more. Yeah. That's why we bought, my wife and I bought 80 pounds of rice like two weeks ago, because we know like this day is coming. Yeah. Well, one day you'll walk in, and then like everyone will panic when there isn't like enough pasta or enough rice or enough macaroni and cheese. Are you one of the doomsayers? Wrong. The doomsday preppers? No, the, I just have 80 uh, pounds the of The preppers are winning right now. The they are. The preppers are winning. Mm-hmm. And we're going to have a really good story early next week on on just what Duna was saying about emergency <laughs> supplies, toilet paper, hand sanitizers, and the supply of rice. And coffee, too. Yeah. All the things you know, that you can the keep preppers, for a long time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Everything oh, a yeah, prepper we- needs to, uh, to, to, to be uh, self-contained through uh, their quarantine. Fascinating. Thank you, Zach. Thanks for joining us. <laughs> Later, guys. Right. Well, talking about, talking about good news. Headphones. You're like the person driving away from the lot with the, uh, the gas, <laughs> the gas in your, yeah, your the tank. Gas yeah. in the, yeah, in the <laughs> bad news and good news. Boom. Boom. All right, let's start with some bad news. As the number of confirmed coronavirus cases in Seattle creeps ominously upwards, C.H. Robinson has asked all employees in the local office to work from home, becoming a hotbed up there in Seattle. The logistics company directive dovetails with King County officials Wednesday recommendation that employees of Seattle companies work remotely to halt the spread of COVID-19. Good news. The good news is, though, is at this point, C.H.R. is just being cautious. They said that throughout the ongoing coronavirus outbreak, the safety and security of our employees and their families continues to be our main priority we are exercising an abundance of caution and asking all Seattle employees to work from home per the recommendation from public health officials. So it came right from uh, public health as a company. You kind of have to start thinking that way. It is. You know, King County basically told everyone that who could work from home to work from home. And that includes Amazon, C.H. Robinson, Microsoft. Yeah. There, there's some huge companies uh, right there in the um, uh, what it was Seattle and Tacoma area. Yeah, but when people hear stuff like this, though, that's when they go out and they start hoarding 20 bottles of sanitizer or it, whatever it is, it is yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. Is it necessary? I, I guess we don't know enough to say that. Like, I, who am I, I to know. make that judgment? I, I I don't know. I don't hoard anything. So I, I think I might be the one who's SOL if, if 
if things so. get bad. No masks yet. I haven't flown anywhere yet. I still got that Disney trip. Might still be you on. Do. I don't know. Yes, yes. I have, I have a couple trips coming up, and I, I don't know. So, um, where are we at? There's nuclear verdicts. Nuclear verdicts. Yes. Yeah. So the bad news uh, for nuclear verdicts or making a trucking a different over the road. Trucking, the main purpose of drivers in the in, in the transportation industry is to transport crew and filming equipment to locations. They're driving only about an hour or two each workday, just providing support services in a very short-term window. Driver pool maintenance and all that is is done together. What, what do you think about that? Well, I, I don't really understand it because basically if you have a CDL and you're, and you're driving, you're subject to random drug tests. Yeah. So what? Uh, how is this any different? I don't know. You know well, like, I guess they're saying that they don't need the same scrutiny. Would you agree with that? Well, I wouldn't agree with that whatsoever, yeah. right? So so basically, it's the same as uh, someone who is driving uh, sod, a, a trailer trailer full of sod for, uh, you know, 20 miles, you know, to deliver it to a customer, or a developer, right? Yeah. Uh, you could use the same argument with, with that driver. So I don't really... I, I don't understand it. Our movie's about to get... Hard. That 007 movie has already been postponed. It has, yes. We plan. Are you a big fan of those? I am. Yes. Oh, so Sean little... Connery. Would you go to the movies right now? Yeah. Yeah. So would I. Yeah. Yeah. All right. You know, why not? So okay. So bad news. Fears over the spread of coronavirus have led Americans to hoard grocery and emergency supplies, cleaning out aisles of retail stores, and leading to a spike in online orders. Oh, yeah. The be... masks and everything. Yeah, the masks. I, I don't. I, I think those are completely sold out, aren't they? Yeah, Bose was uh, the guy we work with. John Bose, he was he he was here to. Uh, there's a table outside the store that he was going to spray paint, and he went to the store to get the spray paint. And everything yeah, yeah. he was able to find that just fine, but he was like, I couldn't find a respirator or any type of painting mask. So people have gone from the medical aisle to the hardware store aisle and bought all the respirators. I, I guess so. I was crossing the street yesterday and I saw a bus drive by, and the driver had the the mask on. Oh, and I, I thought it was a little apocalyptic, but well, here's just yeah, a reminder: overseas, when people do that, it's usually because they're trying to protect other people when they're sick. It's not true to protect you if you're not sick. True, but I, I guess a lot of bus drivers. I, I saw a picture of yeah. a subway MTA worker uh, with a mask on as well. You probably have people getting in your face and stuff like coughing. At you. Oh yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, so so I was leaving my <laughs> I was leaving my apartment today, mm -hmm. and I went like I was locking the door, and I went like <clears throat> I was just clearing my throat. But this lady down the hallway who was by the elevator, she heard me and like it startled her, like coughing and like. Clearing your throat and sneezing startles people right now. It, it does, you know, and basically it's springtime. There's a lot of pollen in the air. And yeah. Every time I sneeze, oh, no. I, 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 I just I just look over my shoulder because yeah. I know that people are just staring at me. They just start running away, like uh, crossing just, the street. Yeah, just, yeah. Cross the street, honey. <laughs> Punching your pearls. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, oh, so but some interesting thing is going to happen to freight from this, right? Uh, yes, there is. So basically the good news is this... Is there a couple of good uh, good news is this causes a spike in demand for those products and beefs up demand along those freight lines. I've exactly what Zach Strickland uh, laid out a few minutes ago. But then there's some bad news. Uh, there is, yes. But once this panic of the outbreak dies down, people will stop hoarding supplies and the already stocked up supplies may meet lower shopping for a time, perhaps sinking sales volumes mm. of companies now producing more to meet demand. Yeah, I think we would take the spike for now, though, to help as a buffer yeah. for when this freight comes in from China. So if this demand creates an artificial yeah. bridge, more power to it. Uh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. We, we need as many supplies as, as, as possible because we have to keep the preppers going. Yeah. But, I mean, at the same time, if it's cutting into healthcare facilities, they can't get masks to do it. I hope well, that's from a different medical supply chain. I did read a story that said they're a lot more closely intertwined with what the general public could buy. 
And they rely on China for their masks, just like anybody else. Yeah, definitely. I, I think medical wor workers should have priority uh, with, with masks. This is a hell of a story. So here's the bad news. A woman with car trouble oh, yeah. was picked up by an Alabama truck driver named Roy Nielsch. No, not the Roy Nielsch you know or the other one. This Roy Nielsch was 63. And Nielsch's truck was a bloody bag with numerous pairs of women's underwear. The motion reads that the investigation also found in the truck uh, there was bloodstains on the steering wheel, here and hair and blood on the driver's seat, bedsheets and blankets with blood on them, rope, handcuffs, knives, clubs, sex toys, and a damn stun gun. Uh, two handguns, numerous electronics and media devices with uh, bad material on that. The search also showed up a ledger that was listing names, ages, and locations of women and children. The driver, he picked this woman up on Interstate 24. She was having car trouble. She gets in the, in the car, and she needs to get off around Exit 2. Well, he drives past Exit 1, all the way past Exit 4. The woman goes crazy. She starts panicking, hitting the guy. He pulls over at Exit 8, pulls out a gun on her. He tells her to go into the back sleeper. He says, I'm going to assault you now. And then she manages to grab the gun from him. She pulls it on him, pulls the trigger, and it jams. Oh. He takes the gun from her, handcuffs her, throws her in the back, drives down the road, goes to a, a secluded place. As he's driving down the road, she was able to slip one of her hands out of the handcuff. Then she grabbed a blanket. She put it over his head while he was driving, um, started hitting him in the face. He had a pullover to the side of the truck. She started blaring the horn. He stops the other side of the road, says, hey, this one's not worth it. He, uh, he undoes the handcuffs, tells her to get out of the truck. He drives away. She flags down. And thank God, she drags. Yeah. No quit in her, by the way. No. She flags down some motorists. The motorists come up, uh, They and then they found that man down by Springfield. They arrested him and took him into court, thank God. But this sounds like it could have been a serial killer or something with all that with the pre-bloody thing. Scary story. Uh, it is. Uh, did they did they tell, tell you in the story uh, about the blood? Was it blood from other people? I mean, was he a serial killer? I, I don't know if they've done the DNA test. They've just been doing, they just uh, started prosecuting him for the first round of this indictment. How long ago did this happen? This was recently. So really? I believe it was last year and they're in court over it right now. Oh, wow. Yeah. I mean, because that's just, that's just horrible. It is horrible. So it's not oh. having a date for a wedding. It is. Yes. And basically your brother finally has a significant other and has a date for your wedding. The bad news is it's a llama. Oh, well, someone brought a llama and a tux. What if you like llamas? Sisters, huh? What if you like llamas? Well, I, I guess he does. You know, I mean, uh, you dress a llama in a, a tux. Yeah. So why did that happen? Um, so, so basically, according to CNN, Mendel Weinstock, 21, said he was on a road trip with his older sister, Reva, and some friends about five years ago when this then-single sibling started speculating about the details of her eventual wedding. Reva said that when her brother puts his mind to do something, he gets it done. So I guess he was joking around, or I, I guess he wasn't joking around. I guess he was... He was very serious that he was going to bring a llama to the wedding, and there's a picture of it right there. Wow! So he's that kind of guy. You, you, like, he was 100 percent serious about about the llama. He was, yes. Yeah, so <laughs> he brought in a tux. I, I can understand bringing a llama to a wedding, you know, you undressed. Can. Yes, but but to to. Oh, putting in the tuxedo and getting it all dressed up like this. And yeah. people might think that that's the groom and then your sister's going to get made right fun there. of. Like, you have to think, man, too, your sister only gets one wedding. So this kid has like, you can tell he's 21. If he's a little bit older, he might be a little bit more worldly and realize yes. what he's doing and being empathetic. Like we talk about in sales. 
is kind of a jerk thing to do. Because sometimes people have a problem with being empathetic where mm-hmm. they, they're not actually empathetic. They go, oh, I wouldn't feel bad if someone did that or I would think that was funny. That's not being empathetic. That's being narcissistic. Yeah, it is. It, it is. You know, her special day, he's going to ruin it with the llama. Yeah, what a jerk. I know. What was his name? <laughs> Mendel, Mendel Weinstock. Weinstock. Mendel Weinstock, you, sir, are a certified... <laughs> certified what? <laughs> certified... I thought I had my sensor thing. <laughs> I might need it for some of these comments. I oh, here it is. Yeah. Uh, there we go. You're certified! <laughs> yes. All right. Uh, oh, so here's a bonus one. So... The good news is that they're making these baby Yoda plush dolls. They missed that Christmas window, right? But mm-hmm. I opened my email this this morning because I pre-ordered them right when The Mandalorian was on. When I, you'd go on Disney and then say, this, it won't ship until mid-March. Well, just got a letter from this, an email from them this morning. If they could see it up on the screen, it says, uh, it says right here from Disney. It's from my shop, Disney, that... The good isn't right. The originally delivered expectation is supposed to be in March. The plush, which they call the child. They call this the, the child. child plush, but it's really Baby Yoda. But they call it the child by Mattel. Isn't he 50 years old? Interesting, too, but it's by Mattel and not Hasbro, because Hasbro has the Disney license, as I digest this on the screen. But Star Wars The Mandalorian. The estimated delivery date for your order is now mid-May. Once your order ships, we'll let you know. So, coronavirus, is this hitting the Disney store, Disney oh, plush? Oh, definitely. De- definitely hitting Disney plush. It isn't Baby Yoda 50 years old? He is 50 years old. Okay. But he's like a baby version. He's still a baby well, yeah, version of Yoda. Baby. He's a toddler. Yes. He starts rapidly aging afterwards. But I just thought it was interesting to get a letter like that and to see that's the real world impacts of this. My child, my kids will be not the child, my child, my kids, my kin. My kinfolk will be upset when I tell them <laughs> this, their baby Yoda is not going to be here. Is all, Kevin. Let's hear from you, Peter. There we go. Oh, yeah. Comment section rodeo. All right, from the article, Trucking Hours of Service, Final Rule Under Review at OMB. And this is from Benjamin. He said, the best possible government solution to give us drivers more flexibility would be to keep your hands off our jobs, to which you have far too much control as it is. The greatest flexibility to us is to put us back on those paper logs, kid. (laughs) Good job. That's Benjamin. That, that, That is good. I have one from Antonio Duarte. And basically, it's a, a short one. Is it time for te- it, yeah? Is time for drivers to take control of their own lives and impeach the FMCSA? It's hard to read some of these. It, it really it, is. I put it's them as just, the grammar. It, it really is. This is the hardest part of the show. Your brain doesn't want to go. Is time? It wants to I put know. an it in there, especially since you do editing as well, right? I, is exactly right. You you have periods all over the place. Sometimes you have capital or capital words for for no reason. Uh, Leo says, hey, you're still not knowledgeable. You sit behind a desk, never been in a truck 24-7. You have no idea what you're trying to make rules on, something you have no understanding about. And most of the time, accidents are caused by people driving cars and small trucks who have never been to any driving school at all. Driving class in high schools do not count. They do not count. <laughs> they do not count. Did you go to driver's ed when you were in I, 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 I did. I, I went there after I got my license. Cool. I, before before I got my license, I just drove illegally. Okay. So, yeah. How long did you do that for? I don't know. Maybe a year. All right. Yeah. Wow. Oklahoma. That there's, uh, oh, there's, there's very there. little laws. Do people keep their keys above the, yeah. the visor there? Oh, yeah. They really do? So, like, in action was... 
Because I'm in the Northeast. Nobody would do that. You have to go to like rural areas, I guess. But I never lived in one, so I didn't know if that was mm-hmm. a true trope. But I guess it, I guess it oh, is. Oh, yeah, definitely. So I, I, well, I heard someone say that. Or you just leave on the ignition. That's well, what I always So do. I know is like, well, a lot of yards actually do keep the keys in there because mm-hmm. it's a pain in the butt to go and siphon through the keys. So it it is. Yards. But you know what they have now, what? which is great. They have just the keypad. Yeah, so if you have yeah. the code, you can just open up the door. And now they're probably like now they'll probably have Bluetooth and fobs in the future where just being close yes. to it with your phone would let you in. Yeah, exactly right. So uh, we have another one for Pete on the same article. Where, yeah. Where's the sensors? This uh, it is this one. Yes. Okay. So he says, "Shut this down, or they will keep us." Wow. Okay. He's angry. He doesn't like it. No. Antonio Duarte. He says. These bureau jerks make these rules based in junk science, discussed in their meetings with nice food and drinks. But we leave our lives and families behind. They're still corrupted by the socialization of their own similars, shipping our backs to keep their influence, their friends, their high salaries. They got huge houses and they get all distracted by these rules and mechanical problems, DOT citation traps, bills and... Bills and bills. <laughs> Be welcome to deliver to United States of America CDL Club. <laughs> About half of that was the Godfather, like Vito Corleone. Yeah. And then I don't know what the other half was. He got mad at the end. He did, yes. So here's uh, Mike Cole from the same article. I don't know if I need the, this or not, but it's good handy. that, uh, yeah. What are you so proud of you haven't fixed anything? President Trump, where are you? There are a lot of us driving trucks, and you are letting us get screwed. We all vote. Would you work 10, break 3, off-duty 3-hour new proposal that 16 hours a day? We're not getting paid. Would you do it? Would I do? Uh, would you do it? No, I wouldn't do it. Okay, Kevin, he says, You desk jockeys have no idea what you're doing. I'll run my way. And when I feel I need to stop to nap, shower, and eat, I goddamn will. We already have the ELD logbook that you government desk jockeys wanted us to be on for safety reasons. It's not helped safety on the roads. If you want safety on the roads, then go back to 10 on 8 off and no 30-minute break or 14-hour workday. Let us know how it fit ourselves, but your government desk jockeys say you want roads to be safe. And if you think it's easy to drive a truck, then you drive a truck and you come out here and see what it's like. Ten on, eight off. That's what it's like. That is. Sometimes they just get really upset by the end. <laughs> what did Richard have so to say? So Richard says, damn, I've never seen or heard of the government treating hardworking and small business owners as criminals. We are targeted on a daily basis like we are committing crimes. Get in the truck and be scared to move for fear of getting stopped by not just the DOT, but all the other law enforcement agencies. Law enforcement after us on one side and the damn lawyers on the other. I just don't know what what you can do to stay in business these days, paying for these expensive-ass trucks and doing repairs when you can't hardly work on top of all the cheap freight. (laughs) Uh, Tommy. 
Do I have a twerk, you pencil neck beep beeping beep beep? Oh, then you have the right to tell me how to drive my twerk that I pay for. Other than that, you have no right to say how I work when I sleep and I pay the bills and I make a living. Why not go after those mega carriers? That is a real safety problem. Oh, because you pay the one-offs, you nothing but a puppet with a hand on your beep wheel for the next money. You can beep your mouth. <laughs> And from Phil Trout. All right. <laughs> <laughs> That'll do it every time. Show irrationality, contempt, flagrant, and abusive language. Wow. Your abusive behavior demonstrates lack of control or thought. You place all of us drivers under scrutiny of bureaucrats who would like nothing better than to close the door on us because people like you. I've driven a truck for over 20 years and continue to see a decline in the competency of drivers, more of an influx of short-tempered, foul-mouthed people who think they should be able to do as they please regardless of the cost. That is why we are in this mess, as well as big money from mega fleets trying to push out the small business and go back to what trucking was before it was deregulated. Please stop trying to help us until you can learn to use better language, show restraint, and stop trying to insult the talking heads and childish slurs. Talking heads and childish slurs? I don't slurs. know what that means. I think he was upset by Tommy. Tommy, oh, was, Tommy. Yeah, Tommy upset him. Tommy. Well, hey, guys, we are running a little late. Thank you so much for joining on this Friday edition of What the Truck. I'm Dooner. That is Kevin Hill. Yeah, to tune in, go back and listen to all the stuff on Freycast. Subscribe to Freycast on your favorite podcast player of choice. You can stare at what the truck. Uh, put that coffee down. We talked about it earlier. Go get that survey at FreightWaves.com. Go get your tickets to Freightwaves Live Atlanta. See us on the live set. Watch all of our shows. Watch our live shows because that's what life is all about. Play this little theme right here. Thank you for tuning in today to this show that we call What the Truck. Yeah, man, you yeah. know all the jokes that I'll teach you. I'll I know. teach you, yeah, Kevin Hill. Yeah. I'll teach you people out here how the cow chews the grass. He does it like this all day, uh, all day. and all night, and all day, and all night on what the truck? <laughs> at Timothy Tuner, that's T double O N E R, at Kevin Hill, Freightways.com. Yeah. Kevin's going to go see the movies over the weekend. He's I am. Go, he's not afraid. But roll the dice. He ain't afraid of no virus. Let's take care roll of the, the dice. Take out a little joke. Two women are at a resort in the Catskills of New York, and one says to the other, you know, the food here is terrible. And the other says, yes, there's such small portions. Thanks for joining us.